Hi, I'm Richard Mack, and this is the MYB Cast. In this episode 5, my co-host Madalena Ferreira and I go back into the Traeger Files to talk to one of our recent esteemed guests, Dr. Jerry Leesman. In this podcast, we're going to be revisiting the conversation with Dr. Leesman regarding his leading the post-conference, which continues on Sunday, September 15th, and concludes on Monday, September 16th. This post-conference is called Science Supporting Transformation, what we know now in neurology that can be applied at the table today. Let's go back and hear what Dr. Leesman has to say. Our post-conference is going to be all about the science of transformation. You are going to be bringing the latest research findings from the lab to show practitioners how they can immediately use this information to bring greater effectiveness to their work at the table. You'll essentially be doing a show-and-tell, and participants will get to experiment with the material. I'd like to ask you to speak to those practitioners that you would like to teach to. Extend an invitation to those people that you think will benefit from this symposium, and we're interested in getting as broad an audience as possible to attend our event. I know we already have a number of Traeger practitioners registered, but it's not just for Traeger practitioners. Well, you want to get all the disciplines talking to each other. Could you do that for me? Yes. And in fact, um, very happily and lovingly, I would love to do this. Um, I think that um, we living in the science world uh, sometimes lose contact with the real world outside. And there are a lot of people with a lot of problems who really need assistance. And I don't do it at all directly. So I have a lab, I have students, I have doctoral students, we publish papers, we um, go after funding and um, do a really think about what the potential implication or application is of the work that I do. And I think I probably have to safely say, most safely say, most of the time, not at all. Thanks to your invitation, however, uh, it got me thinking, uh, and then it got me really thinking, and um, I guess what I want to tell the potential attendees to the after contact, um, conference is, uh, I went through a lot of suffering thinking about how do I apply my work, uh, and, and I've never, ever thought about stuff like this. And then I had a lot of aggravating days and evenings over the subject, and I would like to share my aggravation with you. <laughs> how, how long it took me to come up with ideas like, oh yeah, you bang your foot, a parking patient bangs his foot um, against the cane and start walking, or Rami Chandran's stuff on the amputees, or constraint-induced therapy, or why is it that some people who have what are called learning disabilities, I call them teaching disabilities, but why they have a tendency towards having these retained primitive reflexes that you see early on in childhood and how to reduce these primitive reflexes and then look at the behavioral changes that's a consequence of that. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on and on, but um, I mean, just from the four or five examples that we've spoken about, excuse me, I, I, I can go on, uh, not, not for hours, uh, for, for months, and it's uh, all because of you. <laughs> <laughs> So we want to talk to physical therapists. We want to talk to occupational therapists, right? We want to talk to massage therapists. 
yoga therapists, yoga teachers, dance educators, anyone who has their hands on a human body or their hands on a on the on the human um, thought system. In fact, in the brain of kids and adult people, and that would include teachers, educators, special educators. Uh, we haven't touched that group um, in the way that we should have. Uh, there really needs to be a field of neuroeducation. I don't see them represented in any significant way in the conference that we're running now, nor do I see it uh, with the somatic movement world either. Uh, very missing. What a great opportunity. Yeah. So the journey with the Traeger approach has been especially interesting to me because I see myself as an educator. So if you could talk a little bit more about, for our listeners to understand a little bit more about how your work in the lab is inherently about that teaching and learning process. Well, there's so many places uh, that I could take that. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples. Um, if I were to, um, heaven forbid, have uh, a degenerative uh, condition like Parkinson's disease, and we go to a neurologist, the response would likely be uh, to start me on a course of medication. Not a bad thing, by the way. On um, a course of medication uh, that would deal with where in the brain a deficit is early found. And principally, it's in an area of the brain called the basal ganglia, the substantia basal ganglia, which connects with other areas of the brain. And collectively, uh, when there is a mismatch, a crosstalk um, between the various pathways that are involved in the brain, like stuttering, we see um, what we call tremors. Tremor and stuttering are very much the same conceptually. Uh, it's some sort of primary disorder in communication between brain regions. So, one has um, one aspect of Parkinson's disease is something called gate freeze, which means you have an intention. That's the cognitive part. You have an intention to move somewhere, but you can't move. So, you actually walk in space because your walking is actually intact, because as we've already indicated, it's a spinal issue. So, given the fact that walking is a spinal issue, which does not connect um, with the pathways that we're talking about, why would I have a gate freeze? Well, the answer might be that um, there's a mismatch between the motor aspect of walking and the, co the cognition, the desire to walk, to start to walk. So the person walks in, in, pl in place. If I ask a physician, how do you solve that problem? The answer is, well, I'll have to check the dosage. Um, if you ask a rehabilitationist, depending on who they, who they are and what field they come from these days, maybe today it's different, but certainly not uh, in the many years ago when I started in rehabilitation sciences, you may find a very blank face. The actual answer can be very simple, which is a person could be sitting down, stand up, pick up the cane that he or she is holding in his hand and have that cane bang on the ball of his or her foot. As long as you get feedback from the cane banging on the foot, there will be no longer any gait freeze and movement should happen relatively smoothly. That's not a conceptualization that many people would take, some do. 
The reason it isn't is because what I'm really saying with all of this, what is being said, it's not just I, is that we have to find some way of reorganizing the communicative abilities between regions of the brain. And one way of doing that is by getting the feedback on the ball of one's foot as one intends to walk. Remember we had said earlier that brain activity uh, comes before the movement itself, which is, it's the intention to move that's more important than the actual movement because the movement is ballistic. Once you start it, it doesn't stop. But the intention to perform the movement is very much a cognitive process. And we can measure that very clearly. There are things called expectancy waves that allow us to do that. So one example that comes from the lab is, uh, I can give you the theory and, the, and the, uh, what we understand about the neurology of it, but if you want a really practical example, get a guy to hold a cane. And as he walks, let him bang the cane against his foot. The gate freeze will go. I just have to ask this, is that creating some sort of a shock wave in the system, that banging of the cane on the... No, no, it's not. It's not, it's, uh, not banging, it's uh, just a little tap. That is, as you're walking, you put the cane in front of you, and the foot will, as a consequence of the walk itself, bang against the cane. It bangs against the cane, there will be feedback that will tell the nervous system, oh, this response is correct, the organ is working fine, and it will merge the, m merge the communication between what we call the indirect and the direct pathways. There are multiple pathways that are involved in this kind of uh, condition. But there's so many other examples of how very practical issues from the lab, in fact we just spoke about one, which was the issue of motor synergies, that the rehabilitation of walking is a spinal response. I mean, you can take a, um, a non-walking um, uh, neonate, not a neonate, but a, a, an infant, a couple of months old, and put him in a swimming pool, and the reflexive ability to swim will still be there. So they'll stay above water. It's only later that, that things may change out of fear, anxieties, and God knows what else. But there's a lot built into the system that over time we don't capitalize on, we don't use. And also, when something goes wrong, we don't take it back to a fundamental understanding of how we developed it in the first place. So we're going to let you go to bed pretty soon. I know it's really late there, but before we close, and in the uh, spirit of this concept of movement and the repetition of movement and the mind or the brain, however you want to think of it, you shared a really great story with me when we spoke recently about a talk you were giving to a large audience. I think it was at Oxford. And there was a special member in your audience. Would you, would you share that story with our listeners? Oh my God, uh, yes. One of those embarrassing moments. Yeah, I um, was giving a talk, I think it was 2013, um, at one of the colleges at Oxford. And I was talking about the work that we do in uh, the interaction of movement and cognition. And I was a little flippant um, getting close to the end of the talk. And the basic concept or term that I used was, uh, if you don't uh, move, you get stupid. As I said it, I looked out in the audience and there was a visitor there uh, in a wheelchair. And I didn't quite recognize him, but I did shortly thereafter. And it was um, the physicist uh, who passed away recently, Stephen Hawking. And uh, I felt like a complete fool um, after making that statement. 
uh, I didn't even take questions. I, I got off the uh, podium and I went and um, apologized and explained that I didn't mean to be offensive and all of that. And he indicated to me <clears throat> at length um, that I, uh, no apology necessary because um, he's involved in sports. And I guess he saw the confused look on my face and said, yeah, he plays tennis every day, played tennis every day for some period of time. Um, and he said he did that obviously in his head. So I went back uh, to our labs and immediately had one of my doctoral students look at the whole issue of imagery in, um, <clears throat> in quadriplegics who are um, significantly motorically impaired, having them image various kinds of uh, <clears throat> physical activities. And we noticed the changes in the motor areas of their brain. We noticed that the expectancy of movement was still intact, that all of the things that we would normally associate with the pre-planning of movement were still there when individuals imaged movement as compared to when they did not. Um, this goes back um, in parallel to the work of Dick Held and others, Dick Held from the early 1960s at MIT, um, who had deafferented monkeys, had basically rendered them paralyzed from the neck down and there were atrophic changes, muscle wasting in um, the periphery of their bodies. And when um, uh, electrical stimulation or the equivalent of physiotherapy was applied, nothing happened, obviously. However, when they were asked, well not asked, but they were given the opportunity for isometric kinds of experiences, that is, uh, um, passive resistance against some heavy object, even though they couldn't do it, there were, was reduction in muscle atrophy. So the participation, the particip participation of one's uh, cognitive world, <clears throat> cognitive skills in motor system rehabilitation, as well as in the planning and pre-planning of movement is significant. And um, I guess that's what the, the teaching of that story, that's the message that comes out of that story. Well, in Traegerland, we call it recall. It's the mental rehearsing of the, the movement. But uh, I'm curious, how did Stephen Hawking enjoy your talk that night? I was too um, dumbfounded oh, to, no. um, <laughs> to actually be able to remember. All I, all I remember is um, significant. Actually, I felt stupid. Oh, <laughs> no. Right. I'm sure it was a great evening for him. We are going to close in just a couple minutes, and I want to thank you. I always enjoy speaking with you, and uh, I'm really looking forward to our time together in September. And I want to thank Richard for participating in this conversation with you as well. And uh, any last thoughts that you want to share before we close? Um, yeah, I'm, I too am very much looking forward to um, participating in the Traeger event in September. Um, I'm even more interested in learning from you uh, and the Traeger people um, how the system works, what kind of change you've affected in people, why you think you might have affected changes. Um, if there's any uh, message out of all of this, don't ever try to explain it, because you can't. That's any effect. Uh, 
it's kind of my job and even I shouldn't do that. Uh, by I, I mean science people shouldn't do that. Our job is just simply to look at relationships and to see what connects with what. And if you do A and you get result B, well, there's the result. Can you do it again and again and again and again? Well, there you have already shown something to work. And I think what you really need to do, and maybe I can help, is to find four or five major issues that come up clinically in the somatic movement world in general, and Traeger practice in particular, and to see objectively, <coughs> that is to provide evidence that you actually have a significant effect. And if you can do that, and you have patients who come and get healed also, that would be uh, that would be a gift, a gift to everybody. So I guess my final words are, um, uh, you're the gift. So I'd like to thank Dr. Jerry Leesman for being our guest on this fifth episode of MYB Cast, The Traeger Files. I'd like to invite doctors, therapists of all sorts, physical, mental, occupational, yoga, teachers of all sorts, massage and bodywork practitioners, dancers and dance educators to consider joining us at the post-conference for the U.S. Traeger Association held this September at the Pearlstone Conference Center in Reistertown, Maryland. Go to www.tragerapproach.us and look at our conference page for more information. Thanks for joining us.